No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mendel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. Come close. Come close, everybody. <laughs> Come close. <laughs> this is a safe space. My arms are wide open. I'm embracing each and every one of you. It's a tight squeeze, even though I'm not there in person to, to you know be there to, to you know feel the love. I'm, I'm giving you that tight squeeze. We're holding each other tight. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Drew, you're creeping everybody out, man. Yeah, but creeping everyone out is one of the things I do best, Ezzy. But I know that in this moment of, of, of fragility, this moment of vulnerability, that this is a safe space. The Illegal Curve post-game show, we can all come together. We can all be together in one, you know, supporting each other, you know, cons- you know, providing consolation for one another. You know, this was, you know, I, I understand that it can be a difficult time for each and every one of us. But like I said... Don't be upset that it's over. It was a wonderful ride. It was a fun ride. And you know what? When the ride ends, you know what the best thing to do is get back on the ride and start it over again. And that's what the Winnipeg Jets are obviously going to try and do as the streak of of three goals or less in regulation has come to an end tonight. Albeit with that little asterisk, because I know that all y'all are thinking about that asterisk, given that it was an empty net goal. That was the fourth one for the Bruins. But whatever it might be, nonetheless, the streak is dead. Long live the streak. The Jets lose tonight 4-1 over the Boston Bruins. With that melodramatic introduction out of the way, I say good evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live this evening on our YouTube channel and all social media platforms, we say good evening, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve post-game show alongside Dave Manouk, alongside Ezra Ginsberg. I am your host, Drew Mindell, here to talk about tonight's game between the Jets and the Boston Bruins, a game that you knew the Jets were going to be shorthanded in, given Gabe Velarde, or given Mark Shifley, we knew he wasn't going to play earlier in the day, probably knew that a couple days ago. And then the news from earlier, uh, just before puck drop, that Gabe Velarde was not going to be in the Jets lineup, adding a degree of difficulty where no degrees of difficulty are needed against a very good Boston Bruins team. Gentlemen, good to see you, even though we are in the same house. So this is a rare occurrence. We're all in the same house. We're all at Dave's house because we're prepping for Wednesday's live on location show at Boston Pizza because producer Tim, who is clearly the smartest of the three of us, four of us, including Tim, is not going to be there. So dull, dull, dumb, and dumber need to figure out, and you can say who is who, dull, dumb, and dumber need to figure out a way to do a live on location broadcast and make it work. So today was the test run for that. But I say good evening to you both, gentlemen. The Jets, the streak is over, but it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you could almost make an argument because it was an empty netter. Is the streak really over? Obviously it is, but it wasn't Connor Hellebuck who allowed four goals. It was the empty net who didn't bail the Winnipeg Jets out, right? So obviously guys like you've got no Mark Shifley and no Gabe Velarde in tonight's game. Kenny Weeb of the Winnipeg Free Press reported 
that it's an undisclosed injury. I think a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads, right, Dave? Like, we knew that there was a chance. We knew, well, we knew for sure that Mark Shifley wasn't going to play because Bonus mentioned that yesterday. So that was no surprise. But Gabe Velarde kind of came out of nowhere. So it's an undisclosed injury, so we can't even really speculate. I mean, we don't even have upper body or lower body body to work off of, right? But certainly the line blender was out because, I mean, God, that second period, the shots were 11-3 to three for the Bruins, but they didn't score any goals, right? So Connor Hellebuck, you got to give him a ton of credit, as he has done so many times throughout this season and over the years, kept the Jets in the game. The Jets actually had a chance to tie that game up in the third period, and they came out like gangbusters in the first four or five minutes of the third period. It was all Jets, uh, but obviously, you know, they couldn't put one past uh, Jeremy Swayman and, and tie it up. So the streak is over, but I, I think if you're the Jets and, you could, and you know, all things considered, and we know that, you know, there might be a, a flu bug or some type of virus going throughout the room, obviously, you know, Rick Bonus and none of the players are going to admit that. But if you watch the Jets-Senators game, I think, you know, it would be safe to say that the Jets are dealing with something. Maybe it's, you know, cement legs. I have no idea what it is. Uh, but obviously, you know, the game against the Sens, they were lucky. I think you guys would agree even to get that game to overtime. So, yeah, the streak is over. The Jets lose a hockey game. Let's not forget that the Boston Bruins are a pretty damn good team. I think you can make a strong argument, Dave, they're the best team in the East. So I think, you know, all things considered, I think this is one of those games where you just move on and you start preparing for the Leafs. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any question as and and you're right. I mean, you can't look past the fact that you don't have Mark Shifley, so that's a significant loss. But they've dealt with that. This is now his third game I believe that he's missed. Uh obviously basically missed most of that game against Chicago the for the last two periods, but third full game that he's missed. Uh you we got a bit of an indication Gabe Velarde may have a problem. And then, of course, today, this after Rick Bonus spoke after morning skate, said he was he and Cole Perfetti were no, sorry, he said Cole Perfetti should play because they took the optional yesterday and that Gabe Velarde was a, a game time decision. So that, that's a tough one to lose two thirds of your top line, uh, significant, obviously. And it's not like you lost it and you're playing one of the bottom of the barrel teams. You're facing a Bruins team that still remembers one month ago today. You know, you guys were doing the game. I wasn't on that game. But one month ago today, the Jets handed the Bruins a pretty significant 5-1 loss in Winnipeg. So the Bruins were no doubt remembering that. And the Bruins are, the one I would say, the best team right now, as he in the East. You know, four straight wins. Uh, they're a really good home team. And so you knew that they wanted to have a little measure of revenge against the Jets. And, look, I, I give the Jets credit for staying in that hockey game because, as you said, they it wasn't a game, despite what the score might indicate, that was out of hand, right? You know, you give up an empty net goal. That's whatever. The third goal against is is a somewhat unfortunate set of circumstances, but that's six minutes to go in the game. So for the most part, that was a one goal game. And that was a game that was within Winnipeg's grasp. So, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate uh, end to the streak, but I suspect they'll probably have, I mean, it's and it's ironic, of course, because we talk about this modern streak, which is set by the 14-15 Minnesota Wild. But of course, the year Drew was born in 1928-29 was when the Boston Bruins set the original record of 44 straight. So appropriate that the Bruins crushed the Jets' dreams of getting the modern record and the older record. Uh, but ultimately, the more important uh, thing to focus on is the game and the, uh, the two points that you lose and and that sort of thing. So it's an unfortunate one, but as he says, you got to put it behind you. Well, we don't. We have to talk about it because we have a show to fill. 
But then after that, we'll uh, focus on the Leafs. Yeah, you know, you, you look at today's game, and, and I think in years past, the Jets probably fold a lot quicker in, in tonight's game. So the fact that this is, to your point, Dave, a one-goal game up until the, you know that that unfortunate shorthanded goal late in the third period is a you know, that says something about the wherewithal of this team, you know, that again, everybody, and I even see some people in the chat and that's, you know, look, everyone's entitled to their opinion and everything else that are expecting that, you know, this is now, you know, the, the Jets are going to suffer some sort of collapse. They, they fought hard in the face of adversity uh, tonight, the Jets did. And yeah, they, they were up against it, but you know, when it was, you know, when they gave up that two, one goal and we'll get into it during the Betway game recap coming up here in a couple more minutes, look, the, the, there was ample opportunity for the the Jets to just sort of say, okay, this isn't going to be our night and no Shifley, no Velarde, mishmash of lines. It's, it's a, it's just sort of a, uh, not even a, a, any real flow to what they're throwing out there. They're just throwing things at the wall to see what's going to stick, but it doesn't, you know, the Jets managed to stay in it and they st stuck with it. So to, I don't know if it was you as or, or you, Dave, who said it, you know, somebody doesn't watch this game flips open the score sheet and says, looks at it and says, oh, 4-1, uh, Jets got schmeist. Well, that's not uh, that's not reality, especially in that third period. The Jets, to their credit, pushed hard. They were outplayed in the course of this game. Boston is full yeah. marks for their victory. But the Jets, I do think, you know, have something that they can say, look, we 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 didn't throw in the towel uh, earlier than, than, than absolutely than the final 60 minutes of the game. Sure. And even in the first period, the Jets, you know, they, they weren't terrible. They just weren't getting a lot of shots on Jeremy Swayman, right? So I think you're right, Drew. And I mean, look at, I mean, you can pretend that the Jets aren't, uh, you know, badly or dealing with something right now. I mean, we know Perfetti and Ehlers are also fighting through injuries. Look, these guys want to get to the all-star break, clearly, right? It doesn't mean that they've overlooked their last, you know, three, four, five games. But you've got huge games coming up against the Leafs. And you got to imagine, like, where would the Jets be if, you know, you didn't have all of these days between games? We've talked about it, right? This you know, last couple of weeks leading up to the All-Star game, the schedule has been very soft as opposed to the previous uh, two or three weeks. What did they have? Eight games in 12 days or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's not the effort that you're not happy with. It's maybe, you know, that the Jets weren't, generating a lot of offense and that's why you saw we talked about the line blender um i mean you saw nemesnikov between connor and ehlers i honestly guys don't even remember what the original lines were i think it was uh lowry connor and Iafalo. was it was that the the original first line lowry connor Iafalo. yeah so dave's dave's giving me the thumbs up or uh you know nodding his head but i mean honestly there were so many different line changes like you had the Baron, Kupari, uh, Axel Janssen, Fialbi line together. Um, and then Kupari got moved up to the third line to play with uh, Appleton and Niederreiter. And then Lowry, because he was moved down and Nemestikov was bumped up, you had Lowry in his familiar spot on the third line with Niederreiter and Appleton, right? But the Jets were, just weren't generating anything in that middle frame. And then obviously in the third period, it, it paid dividends. Connor, Nemestikov, and Ehlers uh, were driving the bus offensively. You know, Josh Morrissey was getting up into the play. Neil Pionk was getting up into the play. Um, but it, it was kind of too little too late. And give Jeremy Swayman credit. I mean, he was sharp in the first, you know, five or seven minutes of that third period. Um, but we had a comment up earlier. Like, this Bruins team, um, you know, if you don't think that, you know, in the backs of their minds, they're not thinking of that 5-1 loss uh, earlier this season, 
I mean, you're kidding yourselves. I mean, these guys remember how they played against every single team in the league, right? Sometimes you think that these guys just kind of like are looking at the calendar and going, okay, who do we have next? They know who they're playing. The Jets are a top team in the league. And so it wasn't effort at all. Connor Hellebuck was excellent. He made an incredible save on, uh, I think it was Marshawn Pasternak uh, crossing to Brad Marshawn, I remember, in the second period. He made a few really, uh, really solid saves in that middle frame that gave the chance for the Jets to come back and, and tie the game up. So I think overall you're you're happy with the effort and you know who you were defeated by. And, and again, you have you don't have that much time, right? Wednesday, you go into Toronto, you're playing the Leafs. We know how the Leafs season has gone. You mentioned the regulation wins on, on Saturday morning show, right, Drew? I mean, the Leafs are a great offensive team, but defensively and in goal, uh, you know, they're a work in progress to say the least. I, I think you could say, you know, much worse things about the, the Leafs defensively, right? So... Um, yeah, you got a little mini series coming up against the Leafs, but um, you know this is a to me is a blip. I mean, and and it's a blip against a really good team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment, Ezzy. I don't think that this is a sign of something, you know, uh, foretelling of, of something worse on the horizon or anything like that. And even if they were to lose the next two to the Leafs, and we're getting ahead of ourselves there, I don't think it foretells, uh, you know, catastrophe uh, around the corner. Look, the, the biggest catastrophe for the Winnipeg Jets continues to be the power play. And, you know, because you get a power play goal in the course of tonight's game, uh, it ch probably changes the dynamic to some degree, especially in that third period power play opportunity. But look, the Jets, at least they're, they're equal opportunity terrible when it comes to the man advantage. Bo Boston, I think, has the third best PK in the league, Dave. The Jets couldn't do anything against their PK. But Ottawa on Saturday, who have one of the worst PKs in the league, the Jets couldn't do anything against their PK either. So any team that needs to feel good about themselves when it comes to their penalty kill, just play the Jets. And, and you, all of a sudden, you'll feel okay about the, your, your defensive special teams. There's no question about that, Drew. I mean, you know, it just continues to befuddle folks when you have a, a team as potent as the Winnipeg Jets with as much offense as they appear to have, and yet you just can't seem to make your special team special. And and it's it's very frustrating for folks. I mean, Mike McIntyre quote tweeted us when I said, you know, they'll have a, a power play opportunity to tie this game, and he said they may want to decline it or something to that effect. And, you know, that's that's not a new joke. That's a joke we've been hearing all season long because, again, for whatever reason, this team just doesn't have the the gumption when it comes to the man advantage. And so, and look, we know that their penalty kill has been much better of late um, in the last, I think, nine or ten games, somewhere in the 90 percentile, like a 95 percentile in terms of kills. So their, their PK has gotten better Again, it's going to be hard to overcome because of how many goals they gave up earlier in the season, but ultimately their PK has been better. So, okay, you've, you've and I think the PK was was important to rectify. But they're also you know, first place in their division with uh, where their PK and and PP are at, right, Dave? Hmm. They're, what, they're, what I'm saying is, they're the Jets are first in the division with below average oh, yes. special teams, yes. right? So, yes. and, and so to me, the power play, I've said this all along, the power play is a bigger concern for me. I don't think anybody expects the Jets to finish the season with the second best penalty kill in the league. That's not what we're saying. You want to continue to, to have uh, a, a percentage that you've had up until this point. Yeah, and, and again, like I said, so you, you feel some measure of confidence that the PK is figuring it out or has figured it out because you've gone up against some very good teams and like I just illustrated, 
And one of the things that's worth noting is the Jets don't take a lot of penalties, right? They're top five in terms of least penalties taken in the NHL, maybe even top three uh, last time I checked. So, I mean, ironically, you don't get a lot of penalty kill opportunities because you don't take a lot of penalties. That's a good thing. You don't want to take a bunch of penalties just so you can improve it. But ultimately, they've been doing killing the ones that they've been taking. So, so that's good. But again, like I said, on the flip side, with the man advantage, the guys just they just don't have it. And look, we're not we're not power play specialists and coaches and and whatnot. But it just whatever this team has done, some of the different you know um, groupings that they've tried and pairings that they've tried, they just don't seem to be working. And Ezzy and I were talking about it during the game before Drew got to the house, and it was more just. You know, is it a chance? Maybe you need to give that top power play unit to be the second unit right now because it seems like they're creating or generating a little bit more. But ultimately, it's it's hurting this Jets team. And again, like as he said, like we got to be we got to be realistic. This team has won ninety percent of their games in the last month and a half. So I mean, it's not as if this is a uh, a cause for for you know to light your hair on fire because you're you know the first place team in the Central and Drew doesn't even have hair to worry about lighting on fire, guys. But ultimately. You got to get this resolved to a certain degree. Like I, like I, I mean, honestly, I want to say this. I said this maybe three weeks ago. You can still be a Stanley Cup champion without a top ten power play unit or a top ten PK, but you have to get it to some semblance of average. And if you can get it up into the average realm, then 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 it's going to hold your team in a lot better stead. Right now, the Jets are anything but average. I would say they're very below average when it comes to the power play. Well, and quickly, Drew, just wanted to say one thing here. The thing is, in a game like this where Connor Hellebuck was keeping it a one-goal game, like, or even going back to the first period, right? Nick Ehlers draws a couple penalties. The first one, uh, Hampus Lindholm. And, you know, I, I have to point out, I like, you know, we'll get into the goals here, but, I mean, to me, th- those were penalties uh, on, on Hampus Lindholm. And then the second one was, uh, was it Trent Frederick? Charlie McAvoy. Like, that was a slash. Like, I don't know, I don't know what people were, the panel was talking about, uh, when Charlie McAvoy slashed Ehlers, it was Justin Williams, obviously, who we all have a ton of respect for. But I don't know what he was ba- – what was he saying? That basically Ehlers dropped his stick and it shouldn't have been a penalty? Anyways, the Jets just didn't – not only did they not score, how many shots did they have on those t- two power plays in the first period? Maybe a couple? It just didn't look dangerous. And, you know, Dave was kind of half-joking about making the second power play unit the top unit. It just seems like it's a lot of, like, Ehlers and, and Connor – you know, at the, at the top of the, of the umbrella, if you will. And it's just, there's not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of space being created. We've talked about the triangulation again, trying to use big words here, but you're always on the power play trying to have three men on, on two men essentially, and using that to create an odd man situation. So that you, you have an open man on the power play. So you're usually doing that down low, right? Mark Shifley is very good at either being, the facilitator or the shooter in that type of situation. It just seems like, you know, and, and again, it was mentioned on the broadcast drew last thing about the left shots and everything like that. I mean, okay. So then get a right shot out there. I don't know. Like, I mean, you can't blame the fact that the jets have too many left-handed guys as the reason why they're not scoring on the power play. To me, that's ridiculous. Yeah, It's obvious that the problem with the jets power play is that it misses Blake Wheeler. Let's head into the Betway game recap, talking about the Jets' 4-1 defeat at the hands of the Boston Bruins. The Betway game recap. You knew it was going to be an uphill climb for the Winnipeg Jets in tonight's game, and they did not get off to a great start. 
start as Boston opened the scoring two minutes and 20 seconds into the game. Jakob Lauko, a player who admittedly I am not familiar with. When you think Boston, you think McAvoy, Pasternak, you, know, you still think Bergeron, Marchand. Uh, you don't think Lauko, but he gets his second of the season. Assist to Trent Frederick and Morgan Geeky. Morgan Geeky, by the way, I thought played a really nice game for the Boston Bruins today. Real nice sort of depth player for them uh of course familiar to here to hockey fans in manitoba um but uh, the bruins shout out to strathclaire manitoba drew have to get that in there i work at hockey manitoba so there you go you can get your shout outs in there anytime yeah. you want mr ginsburg but the bruins open the scoring uh early in the game one nothing and it's just uh you know the the puck was bouncing all over the ice uh, really, you know, throughout tonight's game. And I thought, okay, the way this one's bouncing, it's like, okay, this could be a long night for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and ultimately, Frederick, uh, you know, demonstrates, you know, picks up the bouncing puck and demonstrates some nice patience. And, you know, uh, Hellebuck is playing the shot for Frederick, and Frederick is able to slide the puck over to Lauko, who tucks it into the wide open net to make it one nothing just a couple minutes into the game, as he. Buff mute here. Sorry about that, boys. Had to unmute myself. But yeah, look, you know, the puck was was caught up there in some skates. And, you know, then, you know, the Bruins picked it up. And then you had a, speaking of an odd man situation, uh, you had Trent Frederick and, and Lauko in, in front of the net, right? So, like, it was kind of just a mad scramble play. Um, and, you know, for the Bruins, I think you're right, Drew, when you, when you consider this was only, what, two and a half minutes or whatever into the first period. Um, so, again, like... I don't, I don't know how much you can break this goal down, Dave. <laughs> like it was kind of just like, you know, the, the Bruins win a puck battle. Um, and then, you know, like I said, it was a two on one situation in front. I forget who was it out there. Was it uh, Morrissey and DeMello who are the D pair? I don't, probably not. It was probably uh, Sandberg and Schmidt. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, again, you know, like good on the Bruins for taking advantage of, of a loose puck battle and maybe, a, you know, a, a kind of soft defensive coverage from the Jets. Uh, but again, I don't know how much, I, I don't know how much you can really analyze that goal. It wasn't, I don't think you're going to really see that goal on a lot of highlight reels, Dave. No, I would agree with that. You're not going to see it. just too much sticks for the Jets. Sticks, you know, trying to knock down a puck and not using their bodies and not being in the right position for bodies. And I thought that was just sort of, uh, you know, throughout the game on this goal as well. But throughout the game, I just thought the Jets were uh, not even they, they were fighting the bouncing puck. So the puck shouldn't be bouncing to begin with. That's not the Jets' fault. That's just a function of sometimes in certain barns uh, the puck is, is bounces more. In certain nights the puck bounces more. But I thought Boston throughout the course of the game was just more adept at picking up those bouncing pucks. They were more adept, Dave, at just sort of finding a way to get their stick uh, where it needed to be while the Jets were just, you know, a little bit behind in their ability to do so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think your assessment is right, Drew. And I think, again, it comes down to this team, you know, they just, they seemed a bit aimless uh, at, at times throughout this game, I thought. And I just was... You're watching it, and there, and and I think standing around is a is a good a way of of putting it because there was a lot of watching sometimes, and luckily for them, and as he touched on it in the preamble, you know you have Connor Hellebuck who made those two big stops in the second period, or else this could have been a much different hockey game, and I mean ultimately it doesn't matter, but I mean he keeps you in the hockey game, he keeps you within the striking distance of of being you know one fluky goal away, and so you got to give Jeremy Swayman credit even though, as, as he said, they didn't take a ton of shots in that second period to really test him. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, I, I just, it's just, 
it's an unfortunate situation where you're a little bit soft defensively and the other team, I mean, they're the best team in the Eastern Conference, right? You're not playing a bunch of schlubs. You're playing a, a team that wants to win a Stanley Cup. And so, you know, when, when you make mistakes, they're going to make you pay. And that was a mistake the Jets made early in that game. And it turned out to bite them. Just watching the replay again here, like it was Connor Ehlers, Nemestikov, that was the forward line. I forgot who the deep pair was, Sandberg and Schmidt. And you have Geeky, Frederick, and Lauko all in the middle of the ice battling for the puck. Sandberg really kind of is the one that kind of takes charge and makes the play to, to get the puck. And then it's Lauko and Geeky who kind of combine to poke the puck free. And then Sandberg is now has to get back and he slides in. It's just, it, you know, it was... Not not great defensive coverage, in, uh, but again, it was a rub, rugby scrum in the middle of the ice, right, that results in in a Bruins goal. So again, like, you know, I, I, I don't know if that was necessarily a sign of things to come, because I really think if you go back and watch that first period, like, the, it was kind of like the Jets had some decent speed and there were some chances both ways. I don't necessarily remember that many great scoring chances. Was there a post in there somewhere? Was that the second period? I remember somebody hit the post. That might have been the first period, Dave. No, the Bruins hit the post in the first, as you right. Yeah, I forget who it was, though. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like, the first period didn't bother me as much as the second period bothered me because in the second period, that's when the Jets took some penalties, and then they got caught flat-footed quite a bit, and they just didn't have any scoring lines doing anything, and that's why you saw Rick Bonus pull out the blender in the second period. Sorry, I, I muted myself when I meant to unmute myself, but I didn't even need to mute myself in the first place. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there was not the you know the Jets do get that goal in the first period, but this is more of a this is more of a fluke than anything. Now the Jets will take it; they don't have to apologize for any sort of fluky goal. Uh, they get it just a couple minutes after, so just under two minutes after Lauko opened the scoring. Uh, it, we all thought it was Dylan DeMello's first goal since the opener the opening night game, but it turned out he just gets the assist as Vlad Nemesnikov. Uh, tips it in it's his sixth <clears throat> sorry i'm gonna sneeze there uh vlad nemesnikov his sixth of the year assisted Demello and nikolai ehlers we're all getting sick no i'm not getting sick it was just i think i'm Joking. allergic to dave's house but uh you know whatever it was, it was it was a simple play by the jets and you know it was a dump in and then it was a hard four check and cole perfetti doesn't get an assist here but he's instrumental in creating the turnover off of brad marchand they forced yes. brad marchand into making uh are, are the wrong decision and Ehlers gets back to DeMello and DeMello just throws it on net and you can see that it, it redirects. It took a while to see if it redirected off a Jets player or if off a Bruins player. Eventually they said it was Nemesnikov's goal, but the Jets tie it up at one and that all happened. I think that was the Jets' first shot of the game, if I'm not mistaken, Dave. I, I'm not sure if it was the first shot, Drew. It was, well, they didn't take very many, so we know it was probably somewhere in that vicinity. And I will say... Uh, I, you know, eating all those carrots helped when I was a kid, because I noticed that Vlad Nemestikov tipped that one week as he and I were watching it here. And I said, I think Nemestikov tipped that. It's and true. Few, and then a few minutes and I tweeted it. If you want, if you don't want to believe me, if you're questioning the veracity of my words, check the IC Twitter. Well, it made no take. sense. Originally you're watching it. You're like, okay, Dylan DeMello has got a pretty damn good shot, but like, how did he score from that far away? Unless Swayman didn't <laughs> see it. Right. So yeah. that's why when you said that, I'm like, okay, it makes sense that that was redirected. Right. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because, you know, we set up uh, right after. It was like, oh, Cole Perfetti's now set a new career high for points, uh, you know, and all this other stuff. But it turns out they took away the assist because, as Drew said, Perfetti got it over to Ehlers, who got it to DeMello and then Nemestikov. But that's what you needed to see from the Jets. It can't – look, it, it's not always going to be the perfect shot. 
and and again, it, it's hard to criticize a team that's win that has won as much as the Winnipeg Jets because they they they've won. Like what you know, what are you supposed to say? Well, these guys don't know how to win. No, that's all they've done is win. You know, how many again, how many regulation losses have we talked about in the last six weeks? Three? Three regulation losses. I mean, so it, again, you know, it, it seems nitpicky to be pointing these things out, but I'm just saying that it was when when you're when you're missing your best player, and let's not make any bones about it, Mark Shifley is their best player. But when you're missing Mark Shifley and you're missing Gabriel Velarde and you're lo- missing that kind of firepower, and and I think the Jets' third period kind of reflected this. You needed a greasy goal. And if you think about it, Ezzy, the Jets had a couple of shots in that, and I don't want to fast forward too much to the third, but the Jets had some chances in that third period where, you know, Toninato just threw the puck at the net and it went, it misses. But it again, it's that kind of idea. And that's exactly what you needed to see. You needed to see Dylan DeMello get the shot through and Vlad Nemestikov be in the right place to tip it home. So that's what the Jets needed to do a little bit more of, I thought. But, you know, at the end of the day, in this point in the game, you like the bounce back. You like the pushback from, from, from Winnipeg. You know what? Speaking of pushback, I'll push back a little bit, Dave, in terms of, you know, you mentioning the, the regulation losses. This doesn't apply to tonight. I thought the Jets' effort, maybe with, with the second period notwithstanding, but, you know, against Philly, obviously that was a loss. I mean, they, they you know, played, I think, a decent game, but Philly deserved mm-hmm. to win that game. Yeah. But the Jets almost lost to Chicago at home. They didn't play well in Ottawa. Um, the games back to back against the Sharks and the Ducks, they won those games, uh, but it wasn't pretty. Like, you know what I mean? Like we talked, mm-hmm. the Ducks almost stole stole a game. So all I'm saying is that the Jets five on five play has definitely sagged over the last, I don't know, mm-hmm. six, six or seven games in certain games. I mean, the Jets absolutely pummeled the Coyotes and the Blue Jackets. What was it by a combined like 11 to, to three or whatever it was? Um, but there have been some kind of poor games in there, and that was with Shifley in the lineup. So I, I agree with you, Dave. Shifley's absence in the last four games, I think, has shown that the Jets probably do need to acquire a center prior to the trade deadline. I'm not saying it's Sean Monaghan. I'm not saying, you know, it's Elias Lindholm. But I'm saying that they probably are the I, I, maybe the weakest. That, what, that would probably be their weakest position. It definitely wouldn't be in goal or on the wing because that's where they're strongest, I would argue. Um, I mean, they, they don't, they don't need, you know, a top nine winger in my opinion. Would you like to get some more goals from some of your wingers right now? Like I, Alex, Iafello? Sure. Uh, but I think in, in this game, considering everything that we expected Velarde in the morning to play, um, and obviously we don't know if Shifley is going to play Wednesday night against Toronto. I agree with you, Dave, like you can't underestimate how good of a Bruins team this is even without Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. And you can't underestimate what the Bruins were thinking uh, before this game going up against a really good Jets team that had already beat them 5-1. So I think overall you're pretty happy with tonight's game. Yeah, you're not Not, happy not with- the result, but with the effort. Yeah, the, you know, for an undermanned team, I, I don't think the the effort was the problem. I would agree with that. They didn't roll over and die like we would have seen that we've seen very many times before. Uh, so before the first period's out, though, the Bruins do retake the lead. It ends up being the game-winning goal. Charlie Coyle getting his 17th of the year assist to Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Carlo Carlo, and it's just a nice tip uh, from the high slot. The Jets are unable to tie up the stick of Charlie Coyle. 
and he gets the stick on the shot by Lindholm. It's a nice placed shot by Lindholm in a good position for a tip. And really the redirection is, is very skilled. And as a result, the Bruins have a two, one lead after 20 minutes. I thought that it was important for the jets to try and get out of the first period tied up at one goal apiece. And when they weren't able to do so, I thought that was a bit of a, uh, you know, a disappointing end to the first period as this goal was scored with a minute 34 to go as Yeah. And Dave and I were, you know, debating this, uh, you know, right after the goal was scored, because I originally, I didn't realize that Pasternak had slashed uh, Dylan DeMello in the corner. And then you see the replay and Pasternak actually hooks DeMello and then slashes him. I didn't think, I actually thought if anything, you know, you could argue that that should have been a hooking penalty on Pasternak as opposed to a slash. We talked about the slash in, in the first period, Hampus Lindholm, uh, it was Lindholm, right? In the first period on Ehlers. Um, that was the one that uh, Justin Williams, AKA Mr. Game 7, was talking about during the first intermission. Um, so, I mean, DeMello, you could see that, you know, that, that affected him, right? Even though it didn't, the thing with slashing is it's so subjective, right? Like, Obviously, if a guy two-hand whacks a guy, um, you know, it's pretty obvious that was a bad slash. But it affected DeMello so much that, you know, he was kind of out of the play in a sense, right? Because, you know, it's Morrissey and DeMello um, who's, who are the D pair there. And, you know, like you said, I mean, whether it was, you know, DeMello who should have tied up Coyle in front, it was a nice tip by Coyle um, on the Lindholm shot. But I think, that you know, if you go back and watch the replay, Dave, which I just did, you could definitely make an argument, whatever you want to call it, slashing or or Pasternak hooking DeMello in the corner. I mean, that definitely had a direct result on the goal that was scored. No, I mean, as you're 100% right, and that's what we were you're watching. The, look, Dylan DeMello is not one to Nikolai Ehlers. You know, he gets touched. He sometimes looks like he's been shot. <laughs> Dylan DeMello doesn't play like that. So when Dylan DeMello shows that type of reaction, you know, because it it, it made no sense. Like, you watch that pass and you're thinking, why would Dylan DeMello make a pass right in front of the net with that much traffic right there? And, you know, clearly it's because he got he got the hook and then he got the slash. So, I mean, it it looked like he was just trying to get the puck, you know, over behind the net to, I'm assuming, yeah, to Josh Morrissey, who would have been able to have, you know, the, some some time and space to skate that puck out because, you know, what's his name's in front? but he doesn't because he of course gets that slash and you can see him holding his hand. Like he's, he's clearly in a little bit of pain there and you're right as he, it wasn't like a vicious two hander. So it's, it was somewhat deceptive, but I mean, Pasternak is a guy, first of all, any team would love to have that guy on their team, but he's the kind of guy who, again, he's been in the NHL a long time. He knows what it takes to win. And, and that was just a, a smart play because it was a rather deceptive play and he takes out his hand. And of course, forces the turnover. And there were some instances where the Jets made bad turnovers. I'm thinking specifically of the one, was that in the second period, Ezzy, when Rasmus Kupari um, could have cleared the puck out of the Jets zone, doesn't. The puck stays in the Jets zone for like an extra minute and a half. I think Josh Morrissey ends up taking a penalty at the end of that one. So like, that's one of those situations where originally we, when we were watching, I was like, why did DeMello make that pass? What is he, you know? makes no sense. And then you realize it's because of the slash. So, you know, it's an unfortunate one. It happens, you know, in hockey games uh, and the jets get burnt by it because they're unable to uh, prevent the, the opportunity that's created because of the smart play by David Pasternak. Okay, guys, Drew, I just want to mention this one more on the point of the Pasternak slash on DeMillo. I just watched it. Hopefully that's the last time I ever watch it, uh, <laughs> but it almost like, looks like maybe it was the fingers 
Like that's where he got slashed on the fingers where maybe it's a, you know, the, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. It, it did not look like an egregious slash by Pasternak, but like you said, Dave, I mean, he's, he's shaking his glove and he's clearly affected by it. So it's unfortunate for the Jets that there was no call on it, but um, you know, what are you, what's Boston going to do? They're going to continue playing on and they obviously got the power play goal. Look, the best players in the league, whether they know how to uh, inflict damage on their opponent and not get called for it. And David Pasternak is one of the smartest players in the league. I'm not saying he was trying to injure anybody because he wasn't, and that would be an inappropriate accusation. But if you can cheat and you can get away with it, you know, (laughs) I think it was, uh, you know, I can't remember exactly who said it right now, the the old adage, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Well, you know, good for uh, David Pasternak in that case. And, and, And I know that the... Look, we don't need to talk about the pe- the intermission panels and everything else because they were mind-numbing, and they usually are mind-numbing. So just forget about them, folks, for your own benefit, <laughs> just uh, you know, for your own mental health. Don't worry about what they say. With you know, under normal circumstances, you wouldn't care about Luke Gazdick as a as a hockey player. You shouldn't care about Luke Gazdick as an analyst as well. So that I like yeah, Luke Gazdick. I was gonna yeah. say Drew. I mean, I look, look, I agree with what Drew was saying though about not taking those panels too seriously i actually think luke gazdick you know has turned into a good analyst but i do agree with you in terms of i think you know hockey fans sometimes overanalyze the analysts you know what i mean like yeah. we spend too much time uh you know if we don't have an opinion that uh you know uh, uh aligns with the opinion of the analyst so i do agree with you on that one drew i mean especially with you know what happened with the whole uh, ryan hartman um, Cole Perfetti situation when obviously Jamal Myers and Sam Cosentino got absolutely torched after their takes because Jennifer Jennifer Botterill made them look pretty bad uh, with her response to what they were saying, right? So I do think sometimes you have to just watch it and be like, okay, maybe I don't agree with some of what they said, um, but I'm not going to take it too seriously. Yeah. yeah, again, folks, I promise you, when they're in the studio and they're, you know, and they're supposed to be watching the games, they're not watching the games that closely. They're not sitting there, you know, with pen and paper and keeping track of everything. Oftentimes, producers are handing them lines or telling them what to say or what opinion to take. So, I promise you, they're really not paying as close attention to the as game. As close, Drew, they don't know anything about these teams. That's I mean, what it's I'm not. Saying. It's yeah, no. I mean, I agree with I agree with that. I'm just saying that you can still appreciate guys who have played the game and their insight watching a hockey game and listening to the way they, you know, provide you analysis. Do I need to know what they think about the jets from a, from a seasonal basis? No, because I know that they're not watching the jets in any sort of depth, you know, and that, and again, but I mean, that's clear with most of these guys, you hear half the guys, I I told you, I listened to American Friedman the other day talking and I was, it was clear to me, Friedman didn't know what he was talking about with the jets. So these guys don't watch. And you know, the reality is this, It's, it's what I often say. I, I watch the Jets and the Moose. I could tell you anything there is to know about the Jets and the Moose. I couldn't tell you the same about any, all the other teams in the NHL or the AHL. So the, but the reality is... I don't even know if I can name the other teams in the NHL, Dave. <laughs> the point is that there are there's only so much you can actually do and watch to call yourself an expert. So for someone to be an expert on all 32 teams, how's it, how's it possible? Tell me. How do you, how do you, how do you watch that much hockey? You, you just can't. It's just physically impossible. So uh, it's nice that they can pretend, but it's not real. 
Yeah. And then the reason why people enjoy the TSN uh, games more is because a guy like Craig Button, and you all know how much we love Craig and how much we respect Craig, he watches the Jets night in, night out because he's one of the key analysts for TSN and Dan and Kevin and all those guys who do 60 games a year, not 20. Good friend of IC, Frankie Corrado as well. Frankie Corrado, all the names, you know that. I mean, you know, not Sportsnet with all due respect, and it's just they don't have the regional rights. So when you drop in to only do 22 games in the course of an 82-game season, when you're throwing a dart, when there's a whole bunch of other games going on at, you know, a very similar time, they just don't have the the attention span to the Jets that we all do. And that's why you feel frustrated in watching those games. So let's leave that part there for the time being. 2-1 for the Boston Bruins after 20 minutes holy moly we're only 20 minutes into this game into this recap but there was no goals in the second period so that period won't take very long you're okay and there were no shots either yeah there you go but i will say good evening to everyone who's joining us this is the illegal curve post game show drew mandel dave manuk ezra ginsburg with you on this monday night talking about the bruins 4-1 victory over the winnipeg jets uh, as I mentioned, 2-1 for Boston after 40 minutes. Nothing happening in that second period. Jets get outshot heavily in that second period by a 10-4 margin. And there, but the grace of Connor Hellebuck, go the Winnipeg Jets. And he certainly uh, makes a number of key saves uh, as he is wont to do to keep the Jets uh, right in this game despite the one-sidedness. It was not a very good second period for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you really saw them be outmanned and and outplayed for uh you know maybe up until about the 18 18 and a half minute mark when the fourth line for the jets finally gave them a good shift that maybe i thought created some momentum that the jets could take into the third period and build upon that there as he yeah i remember axel jansen fialbi um looked like he was going to get a really good scoring chance and was it charlie mcavoy dave that broke up the play i think um there was a lot going on here uh Drew mentioned earlier we were doing a little test run for our show Wednesday night versus Boston Pizza. By the way, we had the comment up uh, for people who are listening on the podcast. Phyllis apparently is going to make every effort to come, so we appreciate that. We're looking forward to seeing uh, anybody who's able to come out Wednesday night. I think the weather is supposed to be very nice, a lot milder on Wednesday, so it's not going to be minus 30. It's probably going to be more like minus 10 on Wednesday night, but obviously we're looking forward to doing the show uh at bp taylor on wednesday night jets versus the leafs um but yeah we talked about it earlier i mean there was a really good scoring chance uh for for brad marchand and a nice uh, pass from david pasternak and then i made a note to charlie Coyle had a really good scoring chance in the slot hellebuck made a save and i thought hellebuck just looked like he was in the zone i mean drew talked about it i mean you were hoping that the jets would get out of the first period having only allowed the one goal and they would be tied um but obviously nobody's faulting Hellebuck on either of the, the Bruins' first two goals. But I just thought, like, Hellebuck looked dialed in. And obviously he's been dialed in, you know, with the exception of the first uh, three or four starts of the season, right, Dave? But I just thought Hellebuck was just doing everything he could to keep this a one-goal game for the Jets because there were good, uh, you know, five- to seven-minute stretches where the Jets didn't have a single shot on net. So the second period, you could definitely tell – that the Jets were missing Mark Scheifele and Gabe Velarde. And then obviously, to Drew's point, the Jets kind of got a little bit of life uh, late in the second period. And then third period, obviously, that was when they they made their, their pushback. But also, I got to give credit to the Jets' penalty kill in the second period. Dave and I were talking about that, right? Like, Dylan DeMello took the uh, the boarding penalty, which was 
you know, I don't know. Again, I don't know what a penalty is anymore, guys. So for me, that boarding penalty, like it looked like it should have been called. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It seemed like Charlie Coyle went pretty easily into the boards. And even, you know, Nieder, Nino Niederreiter's tripping penalty. Um, I mean, that that's a tripping penalty. But again, you know, I thought the Jets did a great job on the PK, you know, led by Captain Adam Lowry. And, and the Bruins, I think, especially uh, on the second power play after Dylan DeMello took the boarding penalty, I don't even think they had a shot on net. So I thought the Jets PK, to Dave's point, uh, which has been pretty good over the last you know, 9, 10, 11 games came up big. And again, the Jets were still in this game, even though they were outshot Dave 11-3 in the second period, they still put themselves in a position to tie the game up. Yeah, no, you're right, as And and that's what we thought. I mean, look, despite the guys that they were missing, and we'll, I'm sure Drew will read some of the quotes from Rick Bonus after we come back from break, but despite the guys that they were missing, um, and even though they're playing the best team in I guess they are probably now the best team in the NHL uh, based on points, I would imagine, Drew. But the fact is that this it still felt the Jets could, because they had Connor Hellebuck in net, because he was making those saves. Like we said, they're one greasy goal away from getting it, from tying that game. And if they tie it, I actually thought, and I said to Ed, like this felt like a, a 3-2 overtime game. I mean, I did not think the over the 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 hallowed 34 and would have been 35 uh, street game streak was coming to an end tonight. but. I think that, I mean, although Boston did put up nine against Montreal, not that the Jets are Montreal, but they did put nine up against Montreal on Saturday. Um, but look, I, I really do think it was one of those things that the Jets felt like they weren't out of this hockey game, even though it was clear that the Boston was the better of the two teams. I thought that Winnipeg still had a chance in this game. And that's something we felt for the majority of these hockey games for, I mean, this was game, what, 45 or 44 on the, on the schedule. So, I mean, for, or I guess 44 then, but if that's the case, it really did feel like this is another one of those instances where the Jets were close. And again, Connor Hellebuck keeps you in it and you have a chance in that third because of the way they came out. They came out really uh, on fire on that in that third period. And obviously they didn't come in and tie the game, but they had the chances to do that. And they have the one of the best goalies in the league. That always helps. And and I thought, like I said, I think they showed some some fortitude to try and force their way back into this game and tie it. Obviously, weren't able to do so, but it still showed uh, well, at least the way they played in that third period. So hold on, boys. Was that game 44 or 45? Because I gave you the thumbs up on 45. 45. It was game 45. That was the Jets' 45th game of the season. Their 21st away game of the year. So simple math tells me they played 24 games at home and now 21 games on the road. Uh, the Jets, the the backbreaking goal, the Jets were pushing in that second in that third period as Dave and Ezzy spoke to. The backbreaker is a shorthanded goal. Uh, and it sort of just speaks to the Jets and sort of the bouncing puck and the puck you know, and the Jets' sort of inability to be on top of their details. Another one, this is where, where two guys are watching the puck. Uh, I think, that if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, it was Adam Lowry and Nate Schmidt on this one, uh, if I'm not mistaken, on, on, on this goal. Both of them sort of in front of Connor Hellebuck, and neither of them are able to get to the puck before Jake DeBrusque does. Uh, finally, DeBrusque, a better draft pick than Kyle Connor uh, <laughs> for the Bruins. He gets his 12th of the year, assist to Morgan Geeky, 
Uh, it's a shorthanded goal with five minutes and 25 seconds to go in the game. Hampus Lindholm is in the box for interference just after the, uh, it was a four on four situation. Nito Niederreiter had been in the box for tripping. And just after his penalty expires, like seven seconds after he exits the box and the Jets get onto a power play, the puck is loose in the Jets zone and neither uh, Lowry or uh, Schmidt are able to find it. And as a result, uh, Jake DeBrusque tucks it behind Connor Hellbuck, and it's a 3-1 Bruins lead at that point in time. And then, of course, the real disappointing one. Who cares if the Jets lose the game? But the streak, long live the streak. The streak is dead. Brad Marchand into the empty net with 55 seconds to go, even after it looked like Boston might blow that and keep the, the streak alive for a little bit. Uh, they were able to uh, gather the puck again. And, I, you know, it was part of me wondered if it was offside, if the Jets were going to challenge for an offside. But uh, clearly they didn't. And uh, Marchand into the empty net. And that's a 4-1 final. The Jets get defeated tonight in boston a good effort by the bruins the jets a short-handed short you know um, banged up injured jets team are going to have to lick their wounds and head to toronto tonight where they're scheduled to practice tomorrow uh in uh scotiabank whatever the hell it's called scotiabank arena i guess uh ahead of wednesday's game against the toronto maple leafs and a game you know that everyone has circled on their calendar and we will, of course, be at Boston Pizza for that. More information about that coming up momentarily, Izzy. Yeah, and, you know, obviously we're not going to break down Brad Marchand's empty net goal. It looked like the Jets might, you know, get away with, you know, keeping the streak going, right? Because I forget who had the, the chance and they were, the Jets were doing a good job of uh, protecting the empty net. But, yeah, on the Jake DeBrus goal, obviously that's a killer goal coming shorthanded. But, you know, you mentioned Adam Lowry, Nate Schmidt were out there on the power play. Uh, also Kyle Connor, like I just thought like Jake DeBrus did a good job of kind of weaving into the zone, Dave, but then you had Lowry Schmidt and Connor that were all pain, like all turned and, um, focused on Jake DeBrusque. And obviously, you know, um, you know, Morgan Geeky, you know, picks up the puck and he has a good, uh, on a pass for DeBrusque and he does a nice drive to the net. But again, it was just like, you know, the Jets had the extra man, not the other way around. Right. So, I mean, good on, you know, um, Morgan Geeky for driving the net. I'm not sure why Geeky doesn't get an assist there, by the way. If you watch the replay, I think Geeky should get an assist. Um, that would have been his second of the game. But, uh, uh, you know, that goal was absolutely killer. But, again, it just wasn't the sharpest Jets effort tonight. And, yes, we have to give the credit to the Bruins, the first-place team in the league. Geeky uh, got an assist on the on the oh, goal. Okay. Yeah, on, my, on my – when I – what I have on here, it says that it was DeBrusque unassisted. I'm not sure, not sure why. If you're looking at NHL.com, maybe they just added it, Drew. Oh, let me see. let me refresh, or maybe they uh, maybe they had it there. Oh, you're right, it just went away. So you are. I was not correct. I I lost the. I hadn't refreshed it. You're right. Give Morgan Geeky his assist. NHL.com. Yeah, but that was a great fixing. net drive by by Geeky Dave, who obviously had a had a great game. But again, the Jets were just a little bit kind of lethargic defensively in their own zone. Yeah, you don't like to see that. I mean, look, when you're watching the replay, you're seeing three guys push the Jets four. Math is not, you know, we don't need to be John Ginsburg, professor of math at the University of Winnipeg to understand you should have the advantage in that situation. And Nate Schmidt, I don't like the way he played it because he really got caught in no man's land and and allowed, and then Josh Morrissey had to try and cover for him. So, I mean, it's not a, it wasn't a great situation by the Jets. 
Um, and it's not, it's unfortunate, right? I mean, look, it was, it was only, I think the pa- the penalty had just ended to Nita Ryder maybe five seconds before. Right. But it's, it's just, it's an unfortunate way to have that game kind of, you know, essentially end because you want to see that how the jets are going to be able to a take advantage of their power play there. And again, we probably, we could have probably gotten a spoiler alert and said probably they wouldn't have, but ultimately would have been interesting to see how they pushed down to one. And so it's, it's just a, it's just sloppy. It was a bit of a, it was definitely a bit of a sloppy play. Um, and, and again, it's, it's a missed opportunity because, you know, a two, one game, you never know what's going to happen. Especially like, like we said, the jets seem to be trying to fire more pucks on net and just trying to get something, you know, greasy in front and pass Swayman because Swayman was making the stop. So, uh, it's, it's just a, it's an unfortunate conclusion to the to a streak and it's an unfortunate conclusion but ultimately like i said i think the better of the two teams tonight won and the bruins deserve to uh to take the two points in this one i don't know how much you guys are paying attention to the uh the chat right now i always pay attention to the chat because that's the most important part of the show you know (laughs) that chat um but there's a debate going on about should bonus have even pulled hellebuck just to keep the streak alive (laughs) which to me is hilarious um but i mean I think you're going to try to pull your goalie and make it a one goal game and, and preferably tie the game up. Right, Dave, I don't think you're going to keep Hellebuck in there just to keep the streak alive, but I think it's funny regardless that you, there's a few people, uh, you know, saying that the jets aren't very good when they, they pull their goalie, which might be the case, but, uh, uh, I don't. I don't think the jets were coming back to tie this game. As any sort of man advantage, whether it's six on five or five on four, the Jets do not do fair well. They're they're a five on five team. So I mean, look, they obviously had to pull Hellebuck because, as everybody knows, the points are more important than some streak that they claim not to know about, but then talk about. So ultimately, it it is what it is. The Jets lose the game, and it is you know maybe it's it's important to lose because well not important to lose obviously you want to win them all, but it'll keep them focused for Toronto, and I suspect that all Jets fans will be quick to forget a loss against the Boston Bruins if the Jets can pick up a win and they don't have to hear about it from the Leafs and unfortunately folks I got some bad news to to tell you I got some bad news uh Jets prospect to tell you after the break spoiler alert stick around but I'm also going to tell you oh thank you Patrick but I'm also going to tell you that um the the bad news I've got to deliver right now is that the next two games remain on Sportsnet so it will be very Toronto centric for the next two broadcasts not on a legal curve though Legal curve, we're going to give you things that with a Jets focus, but I suspect you're not going to get that on the broadcast. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I had, I had muted myself there. You're absolutely right, but you know what you can Dave, do. Dave, did Drew you... fall asleep there? Like, what no, was no, that? No, no, that no, wasn't no. the internet connection, Drew. I was I was I was muted and I tried to unmute and then I scrambled and I was got desperate. Uh, you you know a good way to not have to deal with the Sportsnet crew on Wednesday is to join us at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue for a live on location edition of the Illegal Curve post game show. Assuming we can figure out all the technical side of things, and I'm confident that the next uh, you know. 40, 45 hours, I think we'll figure it out in the next 45 hours or so. But regardless, come watch the Jets and the Boston, uh, pardon me, the Toronto Maple Leafs with us on uh, on a Wednesday night 
at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. And we will be there. Dave will be there. Ezzy will be there. I will be there. We're going to watch the Jets and the Leafs. Then we're going to do a live on location edition of the Illegal Curve post game show. So Wednesday night, 6 p.m. is puck drop. So join us right around 6 p.m. If you can't make it for 6, you can come for 7. You can come for 7.30. You can come for 8. You can come anytime you want. Just come join us Wednesday night, Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. We're going to watch the Jets and the Leafs. And then we're going to do a live on location edition of the Illegal Curve post game show. So we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to seeing all our friends on Wednesday night at Boston Pizza. So that'll be a fun night out tonight. The Jets fall 4-1 to the Boston Bruins. They'll look to bounce back on Wednesday, as we said, against the much-disliked Toronto Maple Leafs. This has been the Betway Game Recap. Big thanks to our friends at Betway for their continued support of the Illegal Curve post-game show. If you're looking for a place to make a wager, may we recommend our friends at Betway, one of the most trusted voices in sports betting. When we come back... Dave's got some new moose news. Rick Bonus had some comments about the Jets' power play. Much more to come. It's the Illegal Curve postgame show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you on a Monday night. Don't go anywhere. Your coworkers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one-liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club, and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to RumorsComedyClub.com. You guys ever wish for a game changer in life? Like finding out your favorite snack has zero calories? Or discovering the mute button on Ezzy? Picture this, a secret weapon for parking, where you can book a spot a whole month in advance. Tell me more, Drew. Pre-book your parking at really low rates, or maybe even for free, if you use the code ILLEGALCURVE. Free? What is this, sorcery? The Grid Park app. It's a real secret weapon that has affordable game day parking, and to sweeten the deal even more... I love sweets. Our listeners can use the code illegal curve to park for free. Holy Zamboni. Tell me about it. Just download Grid Park, G-R-Y-D Park, and use the code illegal curve, all one word, to park for free. The game can change ah! just like that. Accidents happen when you aren't protected. So now what? Getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference. Help prevent them from being game changers with Linden Market Dental Center. Bonding, crowns, bridges, and dental implants. State-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game. To learn more, visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. This January at Boston Pizza, every day is Pasta Tuesday. That means BP's famous pastas start at just $11.99 every single day. Create your own or go gourmet for just a few bucks more. Come on in for Pasta Tuesday pricing any day. Only this January at Boston Pizza. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos. Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? 
Ezzy. Relax. Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the illegal curve hockey show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. 9.45 on Monday evening. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve post-game show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you again. Wednesday, Boston Pizza Taylor. It's going to be a great time. We look forward to seeing you there uh, to watch the Jets and the Leafs. And I mean, look, I don't root... I'm I, I'm an impartial, unbiased observer. If the Jets play like uh, you know uh, less than desirable, I'll tell you that. But I can't stand the Leafs. Just like all of you, I just can't stand the Leafs. I feel like if you were if you were raised, unless you were raised a Leafs fan, obviously. Yeah. If you were raised in Manitoba, and this is you know being alive for the Jets 1.0 or during the period between the Jets 1.0 and the 2.0, you were taught by your dad to hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's just like, it's just a thing. And it's obviously not just a Manitoba thing. The Leafs are hated across the country. Don't get me wrong. Well, you know, it uh, doesn't. I mean, it's easy to hate the Leafs is what I'm saying. When the Canadians come to town, when the Bruins come to town, with any of the original six teams come to town and there's plenty of visiting team jerseys, you know, it doesn't bother me. But to be a Leafs fan still... What's, all let me ask years? you a question, Drew. What's worse, being a Leafs fan or a Patriots fan? Oh, I, I, I look, there's no question it's being a Leafs fan in my perspective. I've said this before on the show that when I was a kid, uh, I liked the New England Patriots because their quarterback was Drew Bledsoe. And yeah. there weren't very many uh, athletes. Remember uh, Willie uh, McGinnis? I liked him too. Well, Willie McGinnis was a great uh, was a great middle linebacker, um, but you know, so I like the Patriots of the early nineties. Yeah. You know, when they went to the Super Bowl against the Packers in '94, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, yeah. Uh, I thought I was happy, I was excited about that. I mean, this is sort of before I became a, the Vikings fan that I am today. But Drew Bledsoe, to me, uh, hey, an athlete named Drew, look, I, I can do it. Except well, he was great. He was a great quarterback. Talent or any of the genetics or any of you know. All those other things you need to be a great athlete. Let's not forget about that Glendale Tennis Championship, Drew. True, I, it's true. We were talking about that with Colby Cohen on uh, Saturday's Illegal Curve uh, Hockey Show. But anyways, we've completely digressed, as we so often do on the show. Uh, Ken Weeb was asking Rick Bonus. Ken Weeb was on the road trip for the Winnipeg Free Press. He was asking Rick Bonus about Gabe Velarde. Uh, he, uh, Rick Bonus said that Velarde is dealing with a lower body issue. Might he be an option for Wednesday's game? Uh, Rick Bonus says, I can't tell you that right now. We'll see how he feels tomorrow. So that is what uh, the latest on Gabe Velarde, which I would not say is uh, overwhelmingly positive. Uh, the Jets, of course, and the head coach hedging their bets. But, uh, you know, if the Jets are going up against it on Wednesday without uh, Velarde and without Shifley, uh, that will certainly add a degree of difficulty to any sort of victory against uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you know, 
I mean, look, we know the Jets are at least going to take the game into overtime because the Leafs don't win in regulation. So no matter what else happens there, you can you can bank, you can bank on one point uh, for the Jets in, in that case. Uh, more Rick bonus from tonight. Uh, this courtesy, uh, thank you to Bailey for putting this into the chat, uh, talking about the power play. When we finally do get the chance to put Mark Shifley, Gabe Velarde, and Kyle Connor on the same unit with Nikolai Ehlers, I think it will turn around. So that's the Jets head coach banking on uh, success coming to the power play or better results from the power play once they are fully healthy, which really has not happened since, what, the third game of the season when Velarde went out. So it's amazing. We're at game 45 and the Jets, you know, top power play unit really hasn't been together yet. So it'll be interesting to see the kind of magic they make when that happens, probably after the all-star break, you know, maybe Wednesday, maybe Saturday, but I think you can sort of hopefully count on after the all-star break for that occurring. Yeah, I, I I mentioned this on Saturday morning show. Like, I just had a hunch that Shifley wasn't going to play. Obviously, he gave Velarde, Dave, we talked about it. That kind of came out of nowhere uh, when Rick Bonus had his uh, scrum earlier today. But, I mean, I, I would have to think, guys, that there's a good chance that Shifley's going to get one of these games. And speaking of that, Lauren Brassois. I would have counted on that, Ezzy. I think he's going to play on, on Wednesday. That's a hunch. Again, I had a hunch. I was right about my hunch for this game. I have a hunch that Shifley's going to play. Velarde, I, I have no idea. But if you read Ken Weeb, uh, you know, and it's on IllegalCurve.com. And I read Ken, every single word that he puts on, on paper, Drew. You know, and Ken's not one to speculate wildly, but Ken said that, you know, if you, you know, that, you know, don't be surprised if you don't see Mark Shifley until February. And so for Ken to say what? that. Well, that, when did he put that out there? Uh, it was in an article. Today. For a guy who reads everything that Ken <laughs> I just, I was just thinking that. Yeah. You know, you well, obviously, be- February, I mean, that just means, like you said, after the All-Star break. I mean, that sounds right. a lot worse than, than it is because, obviously, the Jets only have two games left in, in January, right? But yes. I didn't know that Kenny Weeb said that. So maybe I'm going to not have that hunch anymore, Drew. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, like, let's be honest here, guys. Like, you know, the Jets have been on an incredible run. And, like, you know, Bailey put up with Rick Bonus's comments – I mean, I think that, you know, it goes without saying that the Jets' power play is better with with Shifley and Velarde, but I still maintain with how much trouble the Jets have been having just generating any shots on the power play, like, why not put on put out the fourth line on the power play? I'm not even joking. I'm not saying it's going to happen, um, but it's kind of baffling that the Jets, you know, have this incredible team this year and, you know, first place overall, you know, a few days ago, and now what are they third overall in the league, but still first in the division, even though Colorado and Dallas appear to be gunning for the Jets, right? Um, but yeah, it's kind of weird that they, the Jets haven't had Shifley, Connor, and Velarde together since whatever whatever game it was, Drew. I think you said three. it was game three of the season, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're going to get healthy, but obviously, you know, Shifley's injury. Look, I, I think Kyle Connor's an incredible player a top 10, maybe even top five goal scorer in the league. I think it's been clear, guys, the last four games, the Jets miss Shifley a lot more than they miss Kyle Connor. What was the Jets' record with Kyle Connor out of the lineup? What is it, like 12-2-2 or something, Dave? Yeah, 12-2-2. Yeah, and and look at how the Jets have played without Shifley, right? We talked about the game against Ottawa was pretty stinky. Obviously, you know, they get the the win over the Islanders, but they're 2-2 without Shifley. They've looked pretty mediocre the last four games. 
I, you know, I don't disagree with uh, that, that assessment about the importance of Shifley to this team. We'll find out more, of course, when they skate tomorrow and then ahead of Wednesday's game in Toronto, Wednesday and then back here Saturday uh, against the Leafs, the home and home that uh, has been circled on a lot of people's calendars really since the schedule came out. Uh, I forgot to do this earlier, so allow me to quickly do this one. The Seagram shot of the game. Congratulations to both Vlad Nemesnikov and Dylan DeMello. It is their uh, teamwork. DeMello with the shot, Nemesnikov with the tip. The Seagram's tip of the game. There you go. Warrants our Seagram's shot of the game winner for tonight. When the Jets only score one goal, it tends to be pretty easy as to what's going to get the shot of the game. And it's not like any of the Bruins goals were anything uh, that, uh, you know, were were rockets off of a stick. Uh, So congratulations to DeMello and Nemesnikov. Big thanks to our friends at Seagram's for their continued support of the Illegal Curve postgame show. Whatever it is that you are drinking uh, whenever you next are drinking, we encourage it to be a Seagram's product as long as you consume that responsibly. The moose are in action tomorrow, but there was some moose news earlier today. Dave M., let's have at it. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. And Drew, you're not leaving this time. <laughs> if you do that again, I'm going to... Climb through my computer and pummel you. Well, Drew, you don't have to climb through. You don't have to drive, climb through your computer. You can literally go to the next room and just beat him up if you want to. I, I can't In fact, you guys, as long as you guys mute yourself, people will probably enjoy it while I'm doing the Manuka Moose Minute. You see me pounding on him. <laughs> I'd give it to Ezzy in that run. No offense to you, Drew. But um, you got the speed advantage. He's, 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 he's Drew's pretty, a dirty fighter, though. That is true. He would fight you dirty. You got to be aware of people that fight dirty. All right. Well, let's speaking of uh, well, riding dirty right now. Unfortunately, Chaz Lucius is uh, done for the season. That is what the news that Moose head coach Mark Morrison gave me uh, today when I asked him. I've been sniffing around this one. I think he knew I was uh, bugging him, going to bug him again for it. So he gave me the update. And unfortunately for Chaz Lucius, it's going to be season-ending ankle surgery for the 2021 first rounder of the Winnipeg Jets. I, I anticipated this. Uh, you know, he's he's been out since late December. Uh, he was dealing with an illness and then Mark uh, advised that he was, you know, there was an ankle issue and they were trying to get some more strength back into it. And then uh, I think January 3rd, or maybe it was the week out. I think it was January 3rd. He said something to the effect that, well, he's going to go see, he went, or sorry, it was last week. He went to see a specialist, uh, obviously not a team specialist, but went to see an outside specialist. And then uh, when he came back and he t- discussed the uh, uh, options for for himself and you know the team and what would be the best course of action, they decided to have the surgery. It sounds like they want to get something right that that was not, you know, whether, whether it wasn't done right the first time or whatever. But they're going to try and fix something uh, with the ankle. So hopefully, if they get it this time and they fix it properly, he's going to be good to go. Uh, and I know some folks are 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 saying he's done as a prospect. The kid's got a lot of talent. He He's really 20 does. years old. No, I know, but the, the it's point way is- too young to start talking about that. He look, Dave. Sorry to interrupt your moose sure. minute, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous to say that a 20 year old prospect is done. I mean, let's focus more so on the fact that he's just had terrible luck. Yeah, he was yeah. almost and a point per game in what did he play? 15 games or something? 17 games. I just like let's let's forget the talk about him being a bust and him, you know, not being a a, a guy that can play in the NHL. Let's just focus on. You know, let's hope that he gets well and he's ready to go for next year. 
Yeah, and that's obviously the 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 hope for the team and for the from the organization's perspective. And we'll see what happens. He'll stick with the team. Look, Jimmy Olin is with the team right now. He's dealing with his rehab after you know suffering in a season-ending injury. So you know that the, the guys have a good support system here. And so Chaz Lucius will be treated like that. And I, I suspect like they're gonna want to do what they can because there is a, a level of talent. As, as he said, he was you know 0.76 uh was his his points per game percentage. Uh, in 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 his time in the game in the games he played two goals eleven assists in his seventeen games thirteen points in seventeen games for the Moose and you can see the talent he's got a good shot he just again needs some size needs some strength and needs some health to to be a consistent prospect and and some games because of course last year ended when he was playing junior for Portland he had a shoulder injury and and of course he's had the the knee injury before when he was a prospect. So a draft pick story. So there's been a lot of injury uh, issues with Chaz Lucius, but this is going to be uh, it for him for this season. 23, 24 looks like it's done or is done according to the team. So that's unfortunate news. There is some good news though. I'm not all bad news today, guys and girls, uh, Brad Lambert, who was in a yellow non-contact on Friday, didn't play for the moose in either of the games this weekend against grand Rapids, the Jets 22, 2022 story first rounder the other first rounder i should say is uh looks like he could be a possibility he didn't skate today which i took to mean uh that he wasn't going to play tomorrow when they take on the chicago wolves but head coach mark morrison said they hope he's going to skate he was going to skate after on his own and then he hopes that they'll play he'll be in the pregame skate tomorrow and if he is there's a possibility he plays tomorrow if he doesn't play tomorrow maybe he plays wednesday they're up against chicago which actually reminds me now that i'm blathering on about the moose I've got some moose tickets to give away. So if you want to go and sit in the illegal curve zone, I'll put it on our Twitter too. But if you want to go and sit in the illegal curve zone and see the moose, the jets of tomorrow, tomorrow, but hopefully bring your radio. Cause I'm going to be doing color in the booth with Daniel Fink, my first color of the season. Uh, so you can listen to me and watch the moose of tomorrow or the jets of tomorrow, tomorrow at Canada life. We've got tickets. So send me a DM. I see Dave or Dave at illegalcurve.com. And we'll see the moose right now. Like uh, I think Phyllis was saying it in the chat, they're in a big slide nine straight right now. Oh, eight and one in their last nine games. They snap. I'm not going to do a whole moose minute because I just did one, but they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory on Saturday with a three, nothing playing a really good game for the first 40 minutes. And then they did not look so good. Uh, Oscar Salmon and let in some questionable goals. Marco Casper, the first rounder of the Red Wings. He scored a couple of, well, not nice ones, but he scored a couple of goals. And then uh, late in the game, they allowed the Grand Rapids Griffins to tie it. And then with 12 seconds to go in the game, not even joking, the Moose lose the game. I thought, okay, well, it's overtime. And I actually felt like, okay, the Moose are going to, honestly, I'm not even joking. In the third period, I was like, well, the Moose at least took three out of four this weekend. And then I'm like, oh, the Moose got one out of four this weekend. Not optimal at all. They blew two three-goal leads on Friday and Saturday. So uh, they luckily have a short week. They got to look forward to the Chicago Wolves tomorrow. Should be a good one. We'll see what happens. Stay tuned. But if you want to go to the game, davidalegalcurve.com. And Dave, I'm not sure. I don't think you mentioned this, but another thing just to mention is uh, Thomas Millich, 20-year-old Jets prospect, was called up, right? I believe today, right? This afternoon, Dave? So I'm not sure if he if he gets into the the lineup against Chicago, but I believe it was today that Milich was he's 11 three and three for Nor Norfolk in the ECHL. So I know there's been some talk that you know a 20 year old who was in the WHL last year. I don't know if you want to you know have him in the AHL this quickly, but honestly, I'd like to see him get some starts. Uh, the goaltending obviously has not been uh, like no all due respect to Colin Dealey and Oscar Salmon, and like their numbers have been 
they haven't been good. So look- I, I'd like to see Milich personally and see what he can do. Because obviously, you know, the Jets have some high hopes for him. He's a guy yeah. I think that they they think could probably get to the NHL eventually. No, you're absolutely right, Ezzy, and I should have mentioned that. You're right. Uh, there's been so much Moose stuff going on. Yeah, today, what, but... What's wrong, Dave? You're the Moose insider. You didn't well, even mention that? Because I'm the Ezzy, Moose outsider, and I mentioned no, it. No, but you're the Norfolk's Admiral, Norfolk Admirals insider, Ez, so that's why you were able to bring up I've the Thomas I've always wanted Millet. to travel to Virginia. <laughs> well, I did, but it, hopefully the folks were on IllegalCurve.com today, so they knew the Chaz Lucia's news. They knew the Brad Lambert news because they read the practice report or the independent uh, thing uh, article I wrote about Lucia's. And they also knew about Luce, um, Thomas Millich being recalled because that, of course, was on the website as well. So they they did bring up Millich. He was, it's been quite a month. It's actually or about a month and a, two months since he was last here because he was up in November and then he was sent back, I think, November 22nd. So uh, it's going to be interesting, but he played in the Spengler Cup as he at the end of December and he's played in the ECHL All-Star game and he went over his numbers. His numbers in the ECHL have been great. Moose could use some goaltending. So it's going to be uh, important to get Thomas Millich. We'll see if he plays tomorrow. Uh, but Colin Delia and, and Oscar Salmon were both at practice today. So uh, I'm not sure what exactly is the thought process, but we'll find out tomorrow. Well, there you go. An extensive Manuk Moose Minute updating you on all the latest on the Jets AHL club and I guess uh, tangentially the ECHL club as well. well someone we'll wrap- was asking about Dom DiVincentis for the North Bay Battalion. Um, he's got a winning record. Uh, guys, but his numbers, his save percentage, his goals against are a little bit down. But again, I don't follow the Ontario Hockey League. I don't know if maybe, like in the OHL, it's possible the North Bay Battalion, Dave, lost a bunch of 19-year-olds, right? Because it's an 18 and 19-year-old league, right? So, um, I mean, his numbers aren't good, but DiVincentis is definitely uh, still a top Jets goalie prospect, even even those numbers might be not as good as last year, right, Dave? There's Ezzy with uh, chiming in with the Ontario some Hockey League minute. I was going to say, you know, didn't really see that coming, but here we are. Ezzy, do this one instead. The Top Duck Hardison Common. Well, just uh, a few minutes ago, Drew, you were really reading some quotes that Bailey, the official intern, had provided. I'm not sure if you've ever given Bailey a, a tough duck to well, we're going to give Bailey a tough talk to for this comment. It's tonight's hardest hitting comment because I like it. It's it's short and it's sweet. Only three regulation losses in the past 24 games. We are still elite. I mean, if you really stop for a second, guys, Dave all of a sudden got looks really small. I'm not sure what just happened there. If he's just, oh, there you go. Okay. You look like you were like half of your regular size, Dave. Well, I'm go just back, Hold to... on. Go back a second and do that again. Look how small Dave looks. It's, it's, it's because really I was trying. Well, because I was unbecoming. trying. To, I was trying to answer folks on the uh, the all want moose tickets, Ezzy. I've already got a bunch of inquiries, so trying to make the folks happy here on the Illegal Curve post game show. So Bailey, the official IC intern, and I think the official Winnipeg Sports Talk and Kenny and Rennie intern as well. Uh, send me your address. Send it to Ezra at Illegal Curve. Those other shows don't matter. They're just just the Legal Curve. Those yeah, other shows well, don't matter. Kenny and Rennie. I don't know about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Obviously, we're kidding. But Bailey, send me a, a message in email, or obviously you can DM me on Twitter at ICSEG, and we will send you a tough duck toque. I'm not sure. I'm, Bailey, let us know if we if you've won one before. I'm not sure if she has or not. Uh, 
There you go. Sorry, unmute myself. I'm sure Bailey will enjoy those tickets nonetheless, or enjoy the Tough Duck Toque, rather. And congratulations to our official intern on securing the all-important Tough Duck hardest-hitting comment victory. Unfortunately for fans of the Winnipeg Jets, victory was not to be secured tonight. They lose 4-1 to the Boston Bruins. We do want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors, our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Grid Park, where you should use code illegal curve to park for free that's all one word by the way linden market dental center zapia group realty betway tough duck boston pizza seagram's rollies transfer and farmery beer home of illegal curve lager support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey wednesday boston pizza taylor avenue 6 p.m jets Leafs illegal curve post game show following the contest. Be there, you know, we'll be there. Come join us. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great party, as it is every time we get together at Boston Pizza. Uh, big thanks to all of you for joining us for the post game show tonight. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, leave us some feedback, particularly on uh, iTunes and Google Podcasts. We want some more reviews there. We appreciate what you do on YouTube, but you also got to give us the love for the algorithm. I don't know what that means, but you give us the love for the algorithm on the different podcast sites. Do that for us. We appreciate it. For Dave Manuk, for Ezra Ginsburg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, until Wednesday, right around 8.45 or so, but at 6 o'clock when you're going to join us live and in person. We wish you good night and good luck, and thanks for watching the Illegal Curve post-game show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.